This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 33. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling website, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Christian Moorline Brewing Company owner Greg Hardman. One of the architects of the park board said, hey, I want to show you something, and uh, this is the site you're on. And he does an overlay of Riverfront Stadium over the top of our plan. He said, look at where first base is it's two inches off of being perfect but it's in your lobby greg joined josh darren and me to discuss how he went from being just an ordinary beer rep to a brewing mogul Uh, the history of cincinnati beers is also discussed and what makes the queen city so unique in terms of today's brewing industry and be sure to listen to the promo code at the end of the episode. As always, you can use that to save 20% on your next Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order. So crack open a cold one if you're over 21, a refreshing soft drink if not, and let's talk to Greg Hardman. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Once in a while, I'm at com in Cincinnati. Message wise, to do no. Well, when it's you're riding your nice bike, microphone phone though. I mean, that's like, yeah, it's legit. legit. I rode my bike last night. I went as close to sundown as I could do and still ride in the dark a little bit because it was so hot. I was like, wow. You yeah, love it. Was your bike. Uh, I ride it five days a week. You still riding at uh, Liberty Park? Or Voice of America. Voice of America. Yep. Yeah, I do there because it's bike path right from my house right there. Nice and easy. Beautiful. That's great. It's a nice park. Get to see the sunset every night. I didn't nice. know you were such a romantic. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Cincy Shirts podcast. We are uh, we are joined this week by a true Cincinnatian in every aspect of the word. He is responsible uh, for bringing back some of the most beloved beer brands the city has ever claimed ownership to, and uh, just an all around great guy that we've loved working with. And we're glad he made time for us today. He is the owner of Christian Moorline. His name is Greg Hardman. Welcome, sir. Well, I feel like I should smoke a cigarette after that interaction. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, man. Yes. This is like, I mean, you know, it's so funny because for, for somebody like me who travels a lot and I tell people I'm from Cincinnati, there's, there's only a handful of things that people who aren't from here correlate to the city. And it's Skyline Chili, it's uh, Grater's Ice Cream, it's how bad our sports teams have been, <laughs> and it's the history of beer in this city. And you're you're king, man. You're the king of it. So Well, well they love, uh, speaking of kings, they love Little King's Cream Ale literally worldwide. 
yeah, you know, we 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 uh, have a lot of fun with little kings. They love who to pull and Judy Delight because of the localness. Uh, and they love Christian Moorline because it was the first American craft beer sold commercially east of the Mississippi River. So wow. we're in great company with all those brands. And uh, in spite of all of the rough competition that's been out there uh, in, in the last five years with breweries sprouting up and even more to come, uh, you know, local breweries are now the corner neighborhood pub right uh, essentially is uh, what's ending up happening but uh it's uh, uh to say that uh uh you know little kings uh uh is uh, uh really getting out there and people find it you know it's kind of a cult brand uh and they they, they discover it and, and everything and we don't advertise uh, any of the Moreline brands so it, uh, particularly uh, Little Kings, it's wow. all word of mouth. If you know it, you know it. And if you don't know it, you don't know it. Just you know? riding the coattails of history. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see uh, um, what happens when people discover Little Kings. And uh, I'm, I'm working on a really top secret project with the mixologist of Cincinnati, uh-oh. She's a wonderful lady. She's oh, been on our she's show. Been on the show. <laughs> she's a- and uh, uh, her and I have been working on a really wonderful project uh, for uh, a couple of years now, very clandestinely. And uh, I told uh, Molly a little story. Uh, and uh, the story was, uh, um, I said, I, I really want to meet with you. And, and Molly and I have known each other for years. And I said, I have a little story I want to tell you that actually fits into bourbon. And she's like, you had me at bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Molly Wellman, for those who don't know who we're talking about. So, so we uh, uh, we met up, and uh, I told her a story about how Little Kings was started in 1958. It's actually the 60th anniversary of Little Kings. How fun is that? Uh, and so the, the story was uh, uh, how Little Kings was started. And Little King started in 1958 by the Shaneling Brewing Company. And uh, um, Mr. Shaneling would go to one of his top accounts, which was the Montgomery Inn Mm -hmm. in Montgomery. And uh, he would go to Ted Gregory and he he would, you know, how's my ribs king? How is my Shaneling cream ale doing? And very well, because. Montgomery was expanding with houses and development, and there was a lot of construction workers that would come to Mr. Shane uh, to Mr. Uh, Gregory's uh, uh, location uh, for lunch as well as uh, afternoon uh, on, mm-hmm. on the way home, and uh, uh, they would get their little famous uh, 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 shot of bourbon along with uh, a sidecar of Shaneling Cream Ale on draft, and. Mr. Gregory's cooler went down, so the story is told. Uh, his cooler went down, and he said to Mr. Shaling, you know, 1958 isn't like we had great refrigeration like we do today. Right. Um, uh, his cooler went down, and he said, uh, he said you know, I, I, I'm going to need to go to bottle beer, you know, and, 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 and that. And he said, you know, I wish you could figure out a way to, you know, get that Shaling cream ale, uh, you know, in a sidecar, uh, to go with that bourbon ah. know, and everything. And uh, voila, Mr. Shaneling came back 
and uh, showed him a seven ounce split, a seven ounce split of Shaneling Cream Ale. First official sidecar of bourbon that uh, in a seven ounce bottle. And it was a cream ale. And the reason it's cream ale is cream ale is not fermented all the way out. And there's some residual sugars that are left in the beer that make it sweet. That happen to go really well with the corn mash, the sweetness of bourbon. And so uh, uh, they started it as Shaneling Cream Ale in a seven ounce bottle that eventually turned into uh, the Little King. Uh, in that so you know because people kept calling it hey it's really it's really a great little beer it's in that little bottle and that name evolved it went from Shaneling to you know Shaneling Little King to to just Little King's Cream Ale and it all started uh, at the Montgomery Inn with the Ribs King with the Ribs King Uh, that's correct Uh, uh, and uh, uh, with uh, Shaneling Brewing Company and that's how it started so on this 60th anniversary uh, Molly and I rekindled uh, our, our 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 side project that we had been talking about, and uh, uh, we're going to uh, uh, work on a little bit more of bringing uh, the stories, uh, the interaction, uh, and uh, uh, everything you need to know about uh, Little King's Cream Ale and how it was the original uh, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Boilermaker uh, in a sidecar with a shot of bourbon. That's so fun. It's so great because that is, that's why I love you. And that's why, (laughs) I mean, that's what we're all about. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. That's what our website's about. It's what the blog's about. It's exactly what we're trying to do here. And that's, you know, Cincinnati, we have such great traditions in so many different areas and people who have such a love for them who grew up here. But a lot of times we don't know how all the stuff we love came to be. You know what I mean? And you've completely embraced that on the beer side and we've embraced it on the apparel side and, you know, honoring these old brands. And that's, you know, kudos to you and thanks to you because, like, you were one of the first people to understand like what we were trying to do here and give us permission to make some of this old stuff, you know, cause when we first started at Cincy shirts, we were beholden to brands that the trademark had expired and we didn't have anybody to go ask if we could recreate the stuff, you know, and you and oddly the Montgomery Inn were like two of the first people to say like, we get what you're trying to do and, you know, wanted to partner up with us. And like, so we're, we'll forever be appreciative for that. But it's funny cause you know, I'm not a drinker. And so, you know, there's a lot of funny stories about people that don't drink. I know. I know. People people say they don't trust people who don't drink, which is hilarious. But my first interaction with or my first, uh, I guess, interaction with Christian Moorline was I was dating a girl who worked at kind of like an agency around here. And she was a character in this cornhole game that you could play online. She was one of the characters in it. Uh, and it was a Christian Moorline cornhole game. Yep. And that was the first time I had ever heard Christian Moorline. I thought it was a new company, but it was, it was bringing back. Yeah, one of the oldest companies. Sponsor on the the Burbank show for Sports or Consequences. That's when I first heard it. It could have been. I mean, we 
I, I don't remember that so many years ago now. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've lost a lot of brain cells in between that time. <laughs> so how did you get, like, what is your background? You're from here? Uh, no, no, actually I'm not. Um, I uh, chased a woman here. Um, Same. From, from college. So it, it worked out where uh, I, I uh, was uh, born in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, we kind of moved around to... Uh, uh, outside of Boston and then we lived in uh, uh, Bethlehem Pennsylvania and then we moved to uh, uh, outside of Cleveland during my junior high and high school years I didn't live too long in Cleveland I lived, okay I good because otherwise you lived know, yeah. whenever PPF hears the word Cleveland he perks up I, I, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I lived uh, in Seven Hills Ohio which is like uh, neither east nor west it'd be like zero you know on the on the line uh, and and uh, uh, they had opened the Richfield Coliseum uh, right after I moved in. And, uh, you know, the Richfield Coliseum didn't last very long. It's about 20-some years or so. Uh, well, it might have been 30 years, I guess. It opened um, in 74. 74. And it tore and, down uh, in 92. And, and uh, um, so uh, uh, what I did was I actually would go to the Cavaliers games all the time. And I was a huge Cavaliers fan because I could get three and five dollar tickets when nobody would go to the Cavaliers games out there. But and then seventy seven came along and they actually had a really good team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe it was Miracle against the Boston, Boston yep. Celtics, and uh, they lost that game. And then uh, I just remained a Cavaliers fan. So in two thousand sixteen, it was great to see world championship come my way after 42 seasons that was a little rough yeah uh so i can uh um but then uh i i went to ohio university uh met my wife in the cafeteria on the first day of school and uh uh we've been together ever since since i've been 18 and you know now i'm 56 so long, wow. long, long, long time. Uh, been with my wife. So, and then uh, after I graduated from college, uh, it was she went back to where she lived. She lived up in Middletown, and and uh, I was basically like, where am I going to get a job? And and I got a job as a beer salesman in. Athens, Ohio, of all places. <laughs> right? That's so a I'm golden ticket. On, I'm, I'm, I'm calling on the Drink college a lot of bars. Beer. Yeah. I'm calling on all the college bars that I went to, you know? And uh, I was very successful at it. Um, became the, uh, in a very short period of time, uh, I was with them about three and a half years. And within about two years, I became their uh, uh, sales manager. Then I was their general manager. And, you know, being in Athens, Ohio, I love I love southeastern Ohio, um, but I was wanted to go see the world. And back then, they didn't have good highway systems in there, and you know, it wasn't like we had the internet, you know, and and, and sure. that type of thing. The internet's like the greatest equalizer in the world, isn't it? Yes. And so, uh, I basically uh, said, I got to get out of here. So I, I I resigned from the beer company. Told my boss I was going to leave. He says, Well, where are you going? And I said, Well, I don't have a job. You know, in, in that. And he's like, he's like, well, most people have a job that they go to the next job. And he said, unfortunately, today's your last day because that's what they did back then. I mean, when you gave your notice, man, that was your last day. And that was in 87. And uh, I didn't have a job. So I went to a buddy's house in Columbus, Ohio, who uh, 
hired me into the he hired me at the beer distributor but he now left them to move to Columbus knock on his door he says what are you doing I says oh I'll tell you here in a minute and, and then in uh, he's I told him I resigned he's like well where are you gonna work I said well I don't have a job he goes he's stupid most people you know <laughs> yeah. get a job yeah. you know and, and yeah. this is back when the first uh, stock market crisis happened, you know, back that back in that, you know, so it was a rough time. And he said, uh, I've got this German brewery that I was going to have you work, uh, that, that I, he was going to work at, but they, it's kind of a risk and, but you know, they're well-funded, but it, it's, it's a risk. And, you know, I'm not willing to take that risk with my family. So I went to go somewhere else, work for somewhere else, but you obviously need to call this guy. And, and, uh, uh, and I said, okay. So, you know, there was no cell phones back then. So he's like, go into my home office and here's the guy's number. And you tell him that, you know, I, I told you to call. And, um, he kept poking his head in the door. Cause I spoke to the guy for like an hour and 15 minutes. Long and, distance charges. And, and everything. Yeah. And so I walked out I, during the daytime too. <laughs> wow. So, so, so I, so I, you know, he kept looking at it and he's like, Hey, look, I'm yeah, hungry. I'm hungry. I want to go eat. I want to. I, I said, okay. So we we uh, uh, I walk out and he says, well, how'd it go? I said, I start Monday. I meet him in Cincinnati, Ohio. He says, what? He go, yeah. We, we I, I I start Monday and I'm, I'm I got to meet him at an address in Cincinnati, Ohio. And he says to me, you're kidding me. I go, no. So anyhow, I uh, show up to the address on Monday in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's the Utapol Brewing Company address. I didn't know this at the time. Okay. And I was like, wow, I was just here literally six to eight months prior. Okay. And uh, I had won tickets from that brewery to go see the Reds. And they were giving me a brewery tour. And while they're giving me the brewery tour, they're telling me literally. This is the last Utapol running down the line. We're shutting our brewery down. We sold to Shaneling Brewing Company, and we're creating Utapol Shaneling Brewing Company. And Utapol Brewery is going to become the local beer distributor for Utapol Shaneling Brands. And we also have an import called Warsteiner. Okay, didn't mean anything to me at the time. Yeah. So I'm like, a buddy's with me, and we're like, I'm like, you know, I, 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 I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do the brewery tour. So we're kind of like, let's just get to the Reds game. You know what I mean? Like, didn't mean much to me at the time. Yeah. So we get to the Reds game. We have fun and all that. And we're sitting there. We're driving home. And I'm like, can you believe I won a contest? And they tell me that they're shutting their brewery down. <laughs> and like six to eight months later, I may be messing the time up a little bit. I'm there starting as a beer salesman for Warsteiner Brewery. And that's my local distributor. So I had a lot of connection to Cincinnati brewing history. Yeah. And at some point, I'll tell you about 25-cent beer night in Athens, Ohio, that really put me on the map. <laughs> there was a place called Hangar 5 in, in Athens, and they had a 25-cent beer night, and the guy ordered 60 kegs of burger beer off of me. And Utapol brewed burger beer back in, you know, 86, 85, 86, in that range, you know? Yeah. And, uh... I, I walked into my boss, the guy that I saw in Columbus, Ohio, and I said, you won't believe the size of the order I just got. And he's like, 
what did you get? I got a 60 keg order. He goes, 60 keg order. He's like, wow. He goes, what brand? I go, burger beer. And he goes, burger beer. He goes, Craig, we haven't sold 60 kegs of burger beer in five years around here. <laughs> and I was like, I know. He's man, you better help him promote it. Cause if I bring 60 kegs of burger beer in, you better make sure we sell it. So I was promoting 25 cent beer night for this guy massively huge hit he really did go through 60 kegs of beer ran out of beer the first night he did it so we're ordering another 60 kegs and another 60 kegs and that was kind of a short-lived thing because he realized he couldn't make any real money doing that you know but it was unbelievably (laughs) packed you know and uh uh, Utipole, it won me a contest to get Reds tickets from Utipole, a brewery tour and Reds tickets. You know? oh, wow. So I took it up. So I had a real connection with these <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. So I not only saw <laughs> the Utipole brewery shut down, then I was with the Utipole Shaling Distributing Company, and in 91, they shut down and sold the brands off to the local Coors distributor. Okay, And so my brand, Warsteiner, went to the local Coors distributor, and um, I had a great run at Warsteiner. I was there from uh, oh December of eighty seven uh, up until two thousand and four in uh, February twenty eighth of two thousand and four was my last day. So when is that? Seventeen years, almost eighteen. You know, yeah. uh, and uh, um, so. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, Utipole Shaneling, and then I saw Utipole Shaneling Brewing Company sell out to sell their brewery to Boston Beer Company and then try to make it by themselves as their own entity, but contract brew. And then I saw them uh, with, they were contract brewing with Boston Beer Company. And then, and then in 2001, there was a controversy that happened. Boston Beer, um, didn't renew their contract. Okay. And I wasn't there. So I don't know if Boston Beer, you know, um, threw them out or if they couldn't come to business terms and yeah. you know I wasn't there there was controversy in the paper on all that type of stuff you know when it when it was happening um, Cincinnati's great beer brands weren't sold in Cincinnati anymore or weren't made in Cincinnati anymore they were all over the place and uh, in about 2004 uh, on March 1 of 2004 uh, I started the new Christian Moorline Brewing Company with just the Christian Warline brand, and there was great fanfare of that, okay? Uh, and I was contract brewing it uh, out of state because how I got the brand uh, was from uh, people that were brewing the beer uh, that owned the brewing company, but they had a brewery in Frederick, Maryland. So I said, well, why don't you keep brewing it? Then I moved it over to Pennsylvania uh, to a location there. Now, how'd you get the name? Like, where did like how did you acquire the well the I, rights uh, to the name or whatever? Well, I bought Christian Moorline, basically the the beer brand from the court. I bought it from the court, and the court let us buy the you know the beer brand Christian Moorline. Uh, and my attorney said, well, why don't you get a right of first refusal on all the other Cincinnati brands, you know, and, and that sort of thing. They own them because over the years when those countries sold to each other, there was roll up of title of all those brand names. Of who owned uh, of these who, defunct brands. Right. Yeah. And, and so I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. Well, that was a great idea up until in 2006 where they, uh, um, um, the court sold off the whole brewery and all the brands in Maryland, okay? But they erred because they didn't honor my first right of refusal. So they had to open the court case back up. 
And uh, I was able to acquire uh, all the other great Cincinnati beer brands at that point, you know. Uh, and and so uh, it, I ended up with all of, uh, you know, Udipole, Udi Delight, uh, Burger Beer. Red Top. Uh, Red Top. Uh, um, Shane Ling. Shane Ling. Uh, Shane Ling uh, uh, I believe that is one of them. Yep. Uh, as well as uh, uh, um, many, many, many. I mean, like, there's like John Howe. 65. I, I have I have that. I have, uh, uh, there's just tons and tons and tons and yeah. tons and tons of names. Windish, Mulhauser, and on and on and on. So and this on list on. does does exist somewhere. Well, I had title to them. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the trademarks back then had, had elapsed, but, you know, part of like, you know, being able to show ownership is you had clear title of the things all along, you know, and, and I really did have clear title. So we, we redid all the trademarks underneath Christian Moorline Brewing Company and that, a lot of fun, you know, so, um, but yeah, that just, uh, when, when, when I brought Moorline back in 2004, everybody was like, oh, you got to get Udipol or you got to get Shaneling or you got to get Burger Beer. Little King. And I was like, I just want to be a craft brewer and do Moorline. You know what I mean? I, it's all, that's all I really want to do. But people like wrote passionate stories about their father worked at the Udipol Brewery or their mother was on the line at Shaneling or the, or, or, uh, you know, my uncle was at Burger Beer Company and, you know, we, we, we want you to bring it back. So we are literally the first American craft brewery that has a city's retro legacy brands and actively sell them. Nobody else in the nation does that. Not any other craft brewery. And we're the only one in the nation that does that. And uh, um, it's always fun, you know, when, when that happens, you know, yeah. so... Um, well, again, it goes back to just the the that's Cincinnati, you know. It's just yeah. like people have a passion for the memories that get evoked when they see certain logos. You know, I mean, it happens in our stores every day. Every day, someone comes in and sees a Swallen shirt or a Johnny's toy shirt, and instantly, even if they're the only person in here, it'll start telling our employees like, "I used to work there. My grandpa used to work there. Whatever it is." And, and I'm, I mean, with beer. Good Lord. And now their like, kids and their grandkids are discovering these beers and these products, and they're like, "Wow, Little Kings is really cool." Yeah, yeah. you know, and and uh, some of our fastest growing accounts are young adults discovering seven ounce bottles of Little Kings, you know? <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Wow, that's fantastic," you know, and and then when they realize the legacy of Moorline's craft beer history and the heritage of it, they they they're like. Wow, this is a really cool, fun brand, you know, and, and stuff. So, and uh, so yeah. After I did that, then I opened the Moorline Longer House uh, down on the riverfront with a uh, a group of uh, uh, great, great Cincinnati investors. Once and, again, visionary. And, 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 like and, you were and, the first one there, and, you know, and, at and, the banks. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, really wanted to show something, you know, uh, fantastic down there, and and uh, you know, it is. Uh, Moreline Logger House is an iconic institution. You know, it's they can fantastic. be other brew pubs or breweries come to town. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But they'll always be they'll always be the original, and they'll always be you know the iconic Moreline. You know, it's kind of like you know Montgomery Inn and you know yeah. Skyline and Gold Star Chili. Camp yeah. Washington, if you're in my world, yeah. you know, it's our world. Uh, too. And, 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 and that, we just it, it, partnered it, with them. And uh, 
uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where these are institutions, you know, and yes. they're, they're iconic uh, uh, places. And, and so, you know, it's it's really fun to be able to bring that back. And it goes through cycles of, you know, flourishing and non-flourishing and, and then, you know, flourishing again. So, you know. But you've got such a great mix of old and new with the tap room and then the lager house because, you know, you've got the, the history you know, and not just beer history, but you've got, you know, first base where Pete Rose stood when he broke the record for all time hits. You know, like that's part of your restaurant. You know, that's, that is a great story. We brought the Moorline Logger House together with the Cincinnati Park Board and we're on uh, Cincinnati Park's land. We're in a park. A lot of people say the banks because we're right next. We're literally like five feet from the banks yeah. and, and uh, you know, right across the street from the ballpark. But uh, uh, we're, we're on park property, uh, and, which is really interesting. And uh, we, uh, when we built the Moorline Logger House, we invited the Cincinnati Park Board in to help with the design because we said we want a structure that looks like it fits in the park system. So we came up with a very outward looking so when you're in the logger house you have all those windows and the ceiling shoot up yes. mm-hmm. so that you can look out upon Cincinnati and the beautiful park that we're in. It is spectacular. Really park is. system right there is just world class. And uh, the Moorline Logger House fitting right there is in world class. So uh, when we were uh, uh, in the design development of it, because when you go in the logger house, it has a very warm interior. I mean, it really is real sandstone and real wood beams and real metal girders that are, you know, uh, you know, authentic that that are that are awesome. And uh, what's interesting of that is one of the architects of the park board said, "Hey, I want to show you something." And uh, this is the site you're on. And this is well into the planning. And we're like, you know, we know where the lobby is and we know where the rooms are and we know where the kitchen is and all that. And he does an overlay of Riverfront Stadium over the top of our plan. He said, look at where first base is for the Riverfront Stadium. And we were like, it can't be that perfect. No one will believe it. <laughs> and he said, first off, it's two inches off of being perfect, but it's in your lobby, like yeah. right there. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. So we honor uh, Pete Rose uh, for hitting 41.92 and breaking Ty, Ty Cobb's record. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have one of his sayings on the plaque there. And, uh, um, what's interesting is not only do we have first base in the building, but in the parking deck below, they home actually plate. have home plate. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome. And, and everything. So people don't know about the home plate so much. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's everything. not, I mean, you walk right over top of it, oh, right yeah. below in the parking garage, but that's where I always park. Oh, yeah. And yeah. my son wants to see it every time we're in there. <laughs> and it's such a cool little kind of hidden thing. Exactly. But it's right there. I did not know that. Yeah. Work there all it's, the time. It's, a, yep. it's like a. Well, just think, of where, or, yeah, you know, just think of where first base is and yeah, think yeah. of where home plate would be and just right. go down. So what's Nothing. also interesting is the pitching mound would be in our hops garden. We don't mark it. But if you're standing on first base in the Moorline Logger House and you look out across to the Pete Rose exhibit, 4192 and all the baseballs, uh, and you look at the Rose Garden right down there, yes. you can see the one 
white rose where the hit actually landed while you're standing up. Oh, that is so cool. I'm such a nerd for that stuff. (laughs) It's like I didn't know uh, if, if you're standing at the Tony Perez statue right outside of the Reds' offices on the plaza, and you look up to the apartments across the street at the banks, at the top of the wall, there is a baseball on a little rod that is the exact trajectory of Tony Perez's home wow, run. Wow, how about that? Says. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. And it's wow. hidden, and I had never noticed it. But what are we going to learn about Joe Morgan this week? I know, right? <laughs> Who knows? Speaking of our Reds, something next year. I hope so. Always. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, man. They look good. I think they look. I, th- I think they have moments of. Johnny Bench's shirt just fell right when we said that. It's <laughs> wow. an omen. It's an omen. It is. Um, hey, guys, remember me? I love the Reds. You know, I, I, I did live in Cleveland for six seasons, I lived in New England. So, uh, you know, I will tell you, I was rooting for the Red Sox back in. Uh, <clears throat> That the fateful series in the 70s uh, for, for, for them that the Reds won. Um, but I became a Reds fan um, after my wife was a Reds fan and her family were Reds fans. And then we got a championship in 90. You know, I met my wife in 84 and we got a championship in 90. So uh, that was fantastic. And to see those guys uh, have a reunion at the ballpark and they had some private functions in the Moorline Logger House was amazing stuff yeah i mean it just is like you know you could see the character of those guys and 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 you could feel it and and i have those fleeting moments of this team with some of these guys you know that i feel like that you know they could do it how do you so this is something that we deal with here at cincy shirts when you have such iconic brands how do you balance or how do you decide how much to devote to historical stuff versus come up with like new products. Cause Christian Moreline as a brand is always coming up with new flavors and special projects. Season but how do you balance? Like, do I, br- do I spend a lot of time bringing back, you know, red top or do I create a new flavor for Christian Moreline? Like what goes into your decision making for that? There is a balance uh, on that. Um, you know, everybody's after us to bring back, like, Shane Ling lager beer, you know, and it's like, I can't bring them all back at the same time. And and, 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 uh, and some of them we bring back for very short periods of time uh, in that. But uh, we're like anybody else. Uh, we try to watch consumer trends, you know, when in craft beer, uh, it, it was always kind of like what's new lately. And, 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 and there is a side of that that is still kind of, you know, you go to a neighborhood tavern and, you know, they're like, you know, I got 20 new fruited beers and this, and, you know, and that, and that. But we've also seen recently that there's a real uh, uh, shift to to uh, 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 more of a, I want the, st- the steady classics and, and that sort of thing. So, and, uh, uh, but for us, uh, um you know, it it, it 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 all goes on consumer uh, trends and, and appeal, uh, and that um, it's taken a long time for us at, at, at Christian Moorline, Utapol Shaneling. Utapol Shaneling is a subsidiary of Christian Moorline Brewing Company, uh, and that brews obviously Utapol and Shaneling Cream Ale and Burger Beer and those type of things. But uh, it's it's taken us a long time to to uh, uh, 
bring all those brands back to be brewed in Cincinnati. Okay, very long time. Yeah. And uh, uh, we brought Little Kings back about uh, going on uh, 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 two and a half years ago now. Yeah. But uh, when you move a significant amount of your production, you know, it's a big change. You just don't do that quickly, and you got to kind of master doing that before you can get into an expansion mode. So, you know, a lot of it is, you know, factors of can you do it effectively and will that beer travel well, you yeah. know, and will people kind of remember it in those territories. So a lot of that goes into it is quality control. And only now, uh, after that amount of time, do we feel comfortable that we can handle the capacity needs because little kings we never have a problem with little kings selling wherever we put it it sells real well we just don't want to go to that many places because keeping up with demand you know then you have an issue you know so so we've worked on capacity uh product quality uh and making sure we can knock it out so we have to be careful where we go how we do it and, and that while you know, working to maintain all the other brands that we have. So a lot of smaller craft breweries, which we are, we're just a very unique one that has Cincinnati legacy brands. Um, they brew in a year's time, 20, 25 different styles of beer. They probably have, you know, three to five base brands. And then, you know, a couple of rotating seasonals through there. Well, at Moreline, when you add in all of our line extensions and everything, you know, we're well over 70 different beers we brew in a year. Goodness. Wow. So, you know, flexibility is key to us, yeah. you know, uh, in, in that. What so. about the recipes with the old the old yeah. beers? Did they come with the logos or did, I mean, is that? Well, logos have nothing to do with recipes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying, but when you bought, you said you had to go and get well, when the you, trademarks. Is it all one big package? or well, is it? well when you buy uh, a brand, it, it normally comes with, uh, you know, the trademark or, or the title to, they can prove that they owned it, as well as uh, you get the recipe. You know, you get, you get, you get a version of what that recipe is and every known version that they had. So, uh, um, you know, we, we do get, uh, that information. They hand it to you in, em- in an envelope. Yeah. Now, I was translating that, that to, uh, you know, like your, your new high tech machines and, uh, you know, the, the larger vats and all that stuff. Like, I imagine that the process was probably a lot well, different. Well, we're brewing those in, the- in a much smaller brewery. Than a larger brewery. We're a yeah. very small brewery. I mean, we're very, you know, we're, you know, in, in our town, you know, Boston Beer Company uh, would be the largest craft brewery, you know, followed by, you know, Rheingeist is a very large brewery. Okay. Uh, then you get kind of down to us. We're, we're large we're, in we're, terms we're, of like just production space volume, or, or how volume. much they can turn yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. How much they can turn out in volume. I mean, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're down that line, you know, pretty far, you know, in that. Um, and then, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, when you, when you buy the brands, you do get a recipe. Um, and, uh, is that uh, proprietary? 
Uh, like, if know, anybody's ever seen that recipe, do they have to quit using it if you were to find it? No, I mean... Do you um, get what I'm saying? Like, if it's passed through several it's hands... Kinda like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, they keep it in the safe. There's 11 herbs and spices and yeah. all that kind of stuff, <laughs> right. you know. You just got to know the right combination, you know, to be able to, 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 to make it. Um, you know, um, people ask us for recipes all the time so they can recreate it and brew it and, you know... Uh, if you know one of our brewers, we share some of that information and that. Uh, some breweries publish it right online uh, and, and everything. Really? It's just that it, it's hard, you know, because your kitchen is different than our kitchen. So you're not really giving up much, you know what I'm saying? Because it's of, a specific because, brand of ingredient because, can taste yeah, more. Well, I mean, just no, because your oven cooks different than my oven. You know, yeah. and you know, or like a soda you ever, you ever, you, you ever have that like grandma's <laughs> oven cooks the best pie, but your yeah. wife tries to make it at home and it doesn't work out quite the same, but she used all the same ingredients. Same theory on a brewery. Breweries have personalities. You know, breweries are, are their own entity and they all have how they react to uh, um, uh, the ingredients that you put in. They're all different. Well, I was even implying like the difference in taste between like Domino sugar versus like Kroger brand sugar or something like that. Did, does that affect it? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you, or is it more just mastering the process, or even where you source the hops from, or the malts, or it's a combination of all of those. I mean, you know, even though you know from year to year we may have like Falconer's Flight in like a Bay of Bengal, you know, um, you know the the you know this year's Falconer's Flight can be a little bit what different than the year. Am, am I the only one that doesn't year, know year what before. that is? Well, it's a unique hop that we actually put into Bay of Bengal double IPA. Uh, and it gives it that very unique uh, uh, taste to it. Um, and Bay of Bengal has a great taste. And, uh, fantastic uh, uh, beer. But, uh, y- you know, the, the year to year, the varietals of hops change a little bit. You know, they're, 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 they're in the same direction, but they're they're a little different, you know, and so you have to look at things like alpha acids and, and you got to look at the aromatics of them. And, you know, it's just a, it's a very dynamic process from year to year when you're up, uh, when you're brewing. That's incredible. I'm fascinated by yeah. this. And you're saying that people are trending away from the IPAs or, or no, uh, I mean, uh, um, I'm, what I'm, what I'm referring to is that, uh, there's a lot of IPAs out there that it, it is the largest segment of, of, uh, of, of craft beer. Uh, it's not the fastest growing segment anymore. Um, craft lagers, flavorful craft lagers, like uh, Moreline Original Lager that we launched this uh, uh, past spring, which is doing unbelievable. It has the Victorian lady yeah. uh, on the graphic. Uh, beautiful Vienna style lager has a, uh, a nice. Uh, Deep golden, slight amber color to it, uh, with a uh, uh, beautiful uh, uh, little bit of the toasted malts from the Vienna malt that's in there. It's just a really nice product. Then, then you have other craft brewers that are brewing beers that are, you know, essentially like you know macro light lagers, you know, and that sort of thing. You know, we we don't we we, we have a lot of macro light lagers. It's called. Hootie Delight. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> it's called Hootapole Amber Lager. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that, so when we do our craft lager, we do it to be a little bit more color to it and more flavorful. Not a woe you over like a, 
uh, like a, like a, like an IPA where the hops are very forward in it and that sort of thing. But loggers like Moreline Original Lager in that category are the fastest growing segment of craft beer right now. So, and, and, and it used to be a long time ago, you know, during my tenure in, in this business, when I started, it was amber ales were the number one category. Uh, then it went to uh, uh, pale ales like Sierra Nevada. And then it went to, you know, IPAs, and we're in the IPA stage right now, you know. And and the next up-and-comer, I, I think, is going to be, you know, craft loggers is going to be the next up-and-coming. You know, it's going to take a while, but these are Trendy. very these are yeah. cyclical. So think about it. I, I've been in this business now since since uh, 2004, maybe, you know, and, 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 and it was changing from 2000 to 2004 from amber loggers to to pale ales and pale ales had a nice run for about seven eight nine years you know what i'm saying and 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 that and and then after that phase around 2000 you know uh, uh 11 or 12 it became all ipas and now we're coming up on 2019 yeah. You know, what's it going to be next? Time to hit the road. You know what I'm saying? Is that something <laughs> else you that, have That's to... very common that they go through cyclical yeah. type of things there. Is that something else and you have could, to balance? Real quick, it yeah. could be argued yeah. that uh, uh, seasonal beers of everybody's category, even though they're not one style, because seasonal beers can make a humongous amount of styles, is actually one of, if not the largest category out there. So like a summer a, shandy or a Christmas yeah, ale or something like that. that. Right, but I mean. those are all different styles of seasonal yeah, beer. Right. So, you know what yeah. I mean? So it could be argued that IPAs have already been on their way to being conquered by those. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but my sneaking suspicion is is that as people get more sophisticated about beer, they're going to realize that lager beer, full-bodied lager beer, is a, a really nice drinkable products yeah you know and, not, and, and, they're, very hard, and, and, and they're very hard to make actually <laughs> that lends to the question i was going to ask is you know i have several friends who are beer snobs and they have apps that they can track how many different types of beer they've tried and stuff so is that another balance you have to work with of like catering to people who are constantly wanting to try something different versus you know create you know maintaining like your your bread and butter there are definite individuals uh, in every community nationwide that are, they were known as the beer geeks, beer aficionados. Uh, you know, they're people that try new beers uh, and that uh, they're genuinely the opinion leaders of the categories. Uh, you know, if they, they like a brewer or a brewery uh, or a style of beer from a brewery, you know, that sort of thing, they're very passionate about it and, and they can, they 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 uh, they can be very vocal about it and and, and really let you know uh, that they like your beer. Um, they can also really let you know if they don't like your beer. Uh, <laughs> sure. And that uh, although those folks are you know a little bit more polite because they know that it's our industry and you know they they, yeah. they if if they you know found a flaw in your beer that sort of thing they usually go offline and contact you you know and there's a lot of factors wow. of what can happen with a flawed beer you know i mean transportation could have been packaging could have been the brew could have been anything you know along the way but people are genuinely uh, uh real good about that but i wouldn't say that you know 
brewers in general are making beer for passionate beer people alone or beer geeks okay you know they're 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 making beer that they really enjoy themselves that they're personally passionate about that they feel would do well you know yeah um and that's usually where you get the best hits out of our beer like a like a bay of bengal you know was something that we had access to Falconer's Flight because we had a brewer that came from Oscar Blues Brewery, and he, they had used a lot of Falconer's Flight in a couple of their brands, and he was real passionate about the beer. And he designed the beer before we actually came up with the name and, and that. And then, yeah. uh, uh, you know, and then we've had some other beers that are really dank, major hobby beers. They're, they're not for everybody, uh, but a very select audience really enjoys them uh, in, in that regular lager beers are on the radar of the beer community uh, and that sort of thing coming up more and more and more as time goes on uh, but their 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 tastes change too in that but typically when we make beer we're, we're making beer uh and a recipe because uh someone's very passionate about it and then we we slotted it on our calendar, you know, and that sort of thing. You How know, like, much of the process is uh, the naming and the marketing of the beer with the actual taste of it? Because is that something you you say, like, here's a name, let's make a beer to go. Like, here's an idea I have for a beer. We just need to find the beer to go with it. Or do you create a beer and then from that say, like, this is what we should name it or this is the strategy or the logo? Well, how we do it, we uh, send out a list of names to our team. And we say, hey, here's some initial names. This is the style of beer. This is what it is. What do you think? And then they come up with names, and we put it in a, a little little uh, forum amongst ourselves. And, and then we kind of pick it from there, yeah. you know, um, and, and uh, come up with the concept and that. But it's always recipe first. It is recipe first. It's always recipe for us. Yeah. Okay. You know, bigger beer companies are more, what category am I going to be in? How do I go do it? You know, and and those type of things, you know. I mean, we have a program called Tank 9 Project at the brewery where um, fellow brewers and employees can brew on this uh, one and a half uh, barrel system to come up with recipes. And and, um, our... um, that's so head cool. brewer, our head brewer, uh, Kyle, he brewed on the Tank 9 recipe and came up with a beer that he named as Rutherford. And uh, we, 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 we brew these beers uh, at the brewery, and then we put them in the tap room to see how they go. And we say, hey, we got a Tank 9 project this month, and they, we say the style of beer, we say the name. It might the be name, good. The name is very <laughs> secondary, you know, sure. at that point. It's a working title. It's a working title, and, uh, you know, we say the style of beer, and this was uh, about a year and a half ago, if not two years ago, we came up with a hazy IPA, which is a very popular category, um, and he called it Rutherford uh, Hazy IPA. PA. And so we, we put it on tap in the tap room and we were kind of startled. It was a very good crowd that showed up. And uh, we knew we had something when the beer sold out in one hour. Now, that's only, you know, we can only get four sixtal barrels, okay, which is about a keg and a, a one keg and a, and a one six barrel is what it adds up to approximately. Oh, wow. And uh, we sold that out in an hour. And so people were talking about it online of like how wonderful this beer is. I tried a sample of it and I was like, wow, that came out of that little 
brewery, I'm, that, that little uh, pilot brewery, I'm like, save that batch. You know what I mean? It, it was such a huge hit that, that uh, we did produce it and we renamed it to be called Big Hazy. Okay, and it's called Moreline Big Hazy New England IPA. And we brought it out uh, last February and we sold it out in two days. At the same time, we entered it into the uh, New York International Beer Competition in the IPA category, the American IPA category. Damn, we won. Wow, we won wow. the category, so That's we were like, we, "So we know it's fantastic." <laughs> From beer. this little yeah, yeah, project, yeah, it, it, it was it was fantastic, and uh, uh, there was a local brewery who actually got number two in the country for their IPA, but Big Hazy beat them, you know. Wow, and uh, it was just fantastic. So we uh, we're coming out with Big Hazy uh, this year uh, around the middle of October, and uh, the pre-orders on it. Um, uh, which we don't brew a lot of it, you know, and, and, and everything. These are smaller 30-barrel batches we do uh, in that we're having a lot of people say, hey, you can't find it in Kroger either. You know, this yeah. isn't like a – it's something that is kind of this really unique type of brew, and uh, we're getting a lot of people wanting it. So Better ramp it up. We, we, you know, so we're – you know, but it's hard. You know, do you, <laughs> how far yeah. do you ramp it up, you right. know, and stuff yeah, like that. You know, cool so, anymore. So, uh, but we're really excited for it. So it, uh, I'm, 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 I'm feeling big hazy this year with, yeah. the, with the awards you we won. You extended Kyle's contract, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's no secret that FC Cincinnati has been a big uh, reason for our growth as a company. But that uh, FCC Blood Orange, is uh, that's a huge hit for you guys as, too, as well, right? Well, it That's is, what I'm drinking at the game. It, anyway. it, it is the number one selling craft beer at the stadium, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, and there's uh, uh, you know quite a few others you can get. And uh, all the local leaders are there. But, uh, you know, it's just a really nice beer. We do at Moreline Blood Orange IPAs really well. And we've got that down with a producer that does our orange puree. Uh, and I mean, it, it's a fantastic uh, balance between the hops and the orange puree. Uh, and it has a, uh, uh, hits the niche of a very wide section uh, of people that really enjoy that product. You know, it scares them off sometimes when they see IPA on it. But when they realize, you know, yeah. uh, the hops are are definitely prominent, but they're, the, 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 the orange puree smooths it out. Really uh, exciting. But, uh, yeah, we brewed that beer uh, at the request of FC Cincinnati uh, in their inaugural season. And uh, we knew we had something because we brewed it at the Logger House. And uh, literally, uh, we couldn't keep it on tap. It was flying through it that much, you know, and, and everything. And then it was... Uh, uh, they requested us to uh, bottle it. They were having a function for the USL league representatives that were coming to Cincinnati and that. And, uh, you know, um, I explained that we can't just do 20 cases of beer just because, you know, you can't buy labels that little and, you know, those type of things. And and so we had a very limited run there, sold it out and everything. And then we went to the 16-ounce can to be sold at the stadium. And it's been a, 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 a fun relationship. You know, and that, and now with them getting into, uh, you know, major league soccer, uh, you know, that's big time. So, all right, soccer, we're just, we're, soccer we're, we're, just, we're just hanging on to hope we can 
hang on for the ride. You know? <laughs> yeah. Join the club. <laughs> <That's>, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah, a, lot, a lot's changing, but people are still going to drink beer, so uh, why not make it? Well, a, I mean, they were building a stadium right beer. down the street from my tap room, so uh, yeah, we got the brewery literally right down the street. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, so we're really excited about that. So that's uh, a lot of fun. And talk about the tap room because if people haven't been there, it really is a cool spot. You have, it's it very much embraces the German heritage in this city. You actually have a little museum in there. Yep. Um, well, we have the uh, Brewery District uh, Community Urban Redevelopment Corporation, who has a gallery and an exhibit going on all the time. Uh, so it is really cool to be able to go there. Additionally, uh, we do have a. Uh, the most authentic tap room in probably the United States. I mean, it's it's a uh, it is an 1860s original malt house, so it has the arch ceilings. Yeah, and it looks it just spectacular. Really cool. And uh, we have a you know you can, it's kind of interesting because you can hear people's conversations Across from the, the other room. side <laughs> of the room, and people really find it interesting. Uh, it's also home of Bachfest every year, which is the uh, largest Bach beer festival uh, in the world. But what's interesting of that is uh, people walk in off the street and uh, they find us on Google or they find us in some place and they walk in and are just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. That tap room it's so is unassuming. the most spectacular thing. You walk in and you wouldn't even know it's right, in there. Right. And then you walk in and you run into these beautiful arch ceilings and uh there's actually uh that's a six-story building too a lot of people don't realize that three of the stories are below ground uh and then uh oh wow uh then then uh two are above and then one is the one that you're on you know so uh it's quite a structure uh and it's all kind of hidden in there and so when people go to Moraline, they're just they're they're like why don't you advertise this we thought you were only the logger house yeah, we had yeah, no yeah. idea that I had know, no there, there's idea. a production yeah. brewery in over the Rhine with the most authentic German beer hall tap room anywhere. Delicious and, pretzels. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, make, pre- make pretzels right on site. Yeah, yeah, wow. uh, so it's quite the it's quite the place to uh, go. Uh, we we do a big thing with Sunday football coming up. Uh, we're uh, whether it's a home or away game, uh, we're going to have a. Uh, uh, Huda Pole and Hootie Delight uh, beer specials uh, uh, in the tap room. Twenty five uh, cents? Uh, uh, no, no, no twenty five <laughs> for you. Special price of you know four dollars. <laughs> but we're really we're really excited about it. And uh, you know they have this thing when the Bengals score uh, for the next uh, if it's seven points, uh, you know uh, for the next seven minutes uh, they're going to give a dollar off. Uh, of uh, of Bowl products, and then uh, if they do a field goal, the next three minutes they're going to give a dollar off. <laughs> so uh, it should nice. be quite the it sh- it, quite the place, and uh, we're going to do a jersey. That's uh, so great! You know, at the end of the season, people that come get into a raffle and win a jersey and, and those type of things. And we're going to have some uh, interesting uh, uh, food uh, items on Sunday to watch the game. You know, a little bit of. Uh, pizza and they're going to do a big submarine sandwich that they kind of cut off and that sort of thing it should be fun that's awesome nice yeah all right so before we let you go then also you you, are you still involved with the beer barons association you were president well i am the president of the over the rhine brewery district community urban redevelopment corporation affectionately known as the brewery district uh and uh 
we are, uh, more than me, we uh, are bringing to life the Cincinnati Brewing Heritage Trail. And the first segment of the trail is going to be opening this coming spring. We're hoping to do it by Bachfest. Actually, all of the markers will probably be in by late November or December, but they didn't want to really open it then. You right. know what I'm saying? So uh, they're they're shooting for spring, uh, and that's part of the reason the tour center is in our building, because uh, the first segment, which there's three segments, uh, is right in our neighborhood. And uh, it highlights all the great brewing history. Uh, so you can uh, uh, actually uh, buy on an app uh, the actual tour uh, and listen to it that way. Or you can take your own self-guided tour. And uh, just it's going to be a fabulous uh, trail. Uh, so we're really excited about it. And uh, I don't know when this uh, podcast is going to go out. Uh, in that sort of thing. But uh, it was just announced yesterday that uh, Christian Moorline Brewing Company, uh, the Over the Rhine Brewery District, uh, Landmark uh, uh, Productions, as well as uh, uh, Cincinnati Escape Room are bringing the first haunted brewery tour in the nation to our facility every weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday in October. That's so, uh, really cool. uh, in, in, uh, uh, literally overnight, the number of Facebook likes, uh, are approaching like 5,000. It's just like, everybody's like, what an un- unbelievable idea. So the concept yeah. is, it's different than a normal, it's not a haunted house. It's a haunted brewery tour because haunted house are like strobe lights and effects yeah, and, and chainsaws guys jumping out of and, and all this ridiculousness and which is good. Some people love that. Ours has five different vignettes, five different haunted vignettes. So you get a brewery tour, but you get this haunted experience as well. And they tell stories of real live accidents that happen in breweries. Okay, over the years. Okay, and one of the stories is not a true story, and kind of like an escape room thing, you know, in that. But uh, you tell you 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 whisper to the person at the end which one wasn't the right story, and you win a prize. In that, so uh, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's uh, it's about a forty minute tour. Uh, so it does have, uh, like I said, it does have haunted elements to it, which is going to be scary because, you know, the, the five vignettes are, these are some pretty gruesome stories. Like a, a guy fell into a boiling vat of water, you know, or, or you know, and that sort of thing. And isn't that how the Joker was made in Batman? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Possibly. Oh. So, so this is going to be a phenomenal thing. So, you know, we, we hooked up with the guys at Cincinnati Escape Room. We hooked up with Landmark Productions. So we have real actors uh, in that. Uh, and then we have real live tour guides through the brewery district. You know, so this is going to be the most spectacular. And you can uh, go buy a ticket at hauntedbrewerytour.com. And it's uh, $25 for a tour. And it sounds and, awesome. And, and, and miraculously, they all end in that 1860s 
tap room at the brewery. Nice. Uh, how convenient. <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. Uh, you'll need t-shirts. Yeah, well, the gift shop's right outside the door and the t-shirts. That's sorted. We, uh, we are certainly appreciative of the relationship we've built with you and uh, and all the cool stuff you'd allow uh, allowed us to be a part of with what you've got going on over there. How can people uh, keep up with all things... Greg Hardman and Christian Moreline. Well, I always tell people uh, you just have to go to uh, www.christianmoreline.com. And Moreline is M-O-E-R-L-E-I-N. It's a tough one. It It is. (laughs) M-O-E-R-L-E-I-N. And so if you go there or our Facebook page, uh, it has all the events, all the connections and that. And uh, uh, same with the Moreline Logger House. You can go to morelinebloggerhouse.com. And, and great food there. I've I was lucky enough to be a part of Bengals Nation that filmed there for the last few years and really got to eat a lot of different things on the menu. It's a as a first class spot down there. It's first class. Uh, the beer program there is outstanding. Um, we do not have all the beers. You know they they brew special beers just for there. So uh, we have a uh, smoked oktoberfest marzen coming out so this will be a, a lot of fun uh, when that gets launched down there nice. so big picture what's next for christian moreline what can people look forward to you got something something big on the books other than big lazy uh, big, big hazy big, uh, yeah big hazy big, big, hazy. Uh, big hazy big, <laughs> big hazy is what they called yeah, me in yeah. college <laughs> big hazy will make you big lazy yeah. uh, but, uh, uh we're going to put a uh, major emphasis on little king's cream ale that brand deserves a lot of love. Uh, we're going to bring buckets out uh, like they used to have. You know, yeah, I would grow up in St. Bernard. Yeah. We had the German luau every yeah. year, and I remember people drinking out of the little buckets. Yeah, so we're really excited about you know bringing Little King's buckets back. And uh, we have people nationwide, literally worldwide, that want to find Little King's everywhere. Yeah. And what we've noticed is is that people fall in love with that beer. They just absolutely fall in love. It's an easy drinking cream ale. Goes well with bourbon. Bourbon's hot. Yeah, I gotta but try the, that. But, 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 the, but the younger generations really dig it. They're really enjoying it. We're really excited about that. So we're going to go on a roll of uh, promoting our heritage beer brands and, uh, you know, in that because uh, we've spent a lot of years on Moreline and we're going to continue to spend a lot of years on Moreline. We've got a lot of new styles coming out uh, in the Moreline line that we're excited to share with people, uh, particularly uh, for the holidays. We have uh, uh, due to consumer demand and people every reason heck with us, we're going to bring back uh, Chris Kindle, our winter warmer, uh, and, and that's going to be in a can. So we're really excited the direction we're going there. And, uh, but, uh, we're going to give our legacy brands uh, a very large uh, workout coming out because of c- c- consumer demand. Oh, for sure. And well, what's the latest with the Hudipole stacks? Wasn't there a movement to preserve those? Well, I, I, I mean, uh, the site is owned by the uh, Cincinnati Port Authority. Um, I know that the brewery district has reached out to you know the uh, uh, Port Authority and said, hey, if you could save the bricks... You know, we'll rebuild it in the brewery district somewhere, at least the part that says Hootapole. The part off of West uh, 8 there? Uh, you... On that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Easier said than done. They're, you know, the Port Authority is in the unenviable position of having to clean these sites up, which they have done, uh, try to make them into workable spaces again, and uh, 
you know, they've done a terrific, terrific job. I don't know where that's going to end up. It's an incredible amount of money. It would be millions of dollars to try to preserve it exactly. So I was like, knock the thing down and at least save the bricks. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, that'd be cool. That'd be really uh, cool. You know, now, sell the arch- bricks. Arch- architects, yeah. uh, architects say things to us like, you know, that's a lot easier said than done because you're going to damage a lot of them and that. And I'm kind of like, we're only going to build it to where it says Utipol, you know. So good stuff. You hope for the best on it. But the Port Authority has been very communicative with the brewery district and, you know, trying to figure out ways. But on those type of things, it always comes down to money. And, of course. And uh, they're trying to do the right thing. Good. So the last thing is, unless you guys have anything else. Nope. We ask our guests to give us a word that will be used as a coupon code where people can save 20% off online and in our store until the next episode airs. So if you could pick one word that people could type in online or say when they're in our store that'll give them 20%, what do you want that word to be? Hootapole. Hootie. Hootie. There you go. H-U-D-Y. H-U-D-Y. I thought you were going to say Ryan Heinz Kaboot. Hootie. Make it easy for the one Steiner. So if you're listening, you have approximately one week to use coupon code Hootie, H-U-D-Y, online. It'll save you 20%. Or when next time you're in our store, in the next week, you can use the word Hootie and save 20% in there. So... Thank you so much for your yeah, time. We know you're in. an incredibly busy man. Thank you for uh, all you've done for us, and we can't wait to see what the future holds for us as a team as well. Sounds good. Thank there you. Yeah. Greg Hartman, owner of Christian Moorline Brewing. Bet you didn't know how unique the craft beer industry is here in Cincinnati. I didn't. And like Josh said in our chat with Greg, uh, that's why we do the the website and the blog and the podcast so we can find out more about these things that we love and make uh, this area so unique. So if you haven't already, I want you to go back and cherry pick the Cincy Shirts archives uh, for more information and fun stories and nuggets about uh, Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky and uh, the whole area. Frank Marzullo's been on, your old pal Duke Sinatra from the Gary Burbank Show, Mo Egger, Cash Wright, Mike Mathis, and Johnny Bench from the Sports World of Albanon. And uh, really all the episodes are great. Haunted Cincinnati, Abandoned Cincinnati, those are very popular too. Haunted Cincinnati, I think, is going to be popular again, what with uh, Halloween coming up, of course. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren, our Theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great cities like Philadelphia, Louisville, Cleveland, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have lots of great beer designs on CincyShirts.com, of course, and uh, we have some on OldSchoolShirts.com as well, so do check those out. In fact, on the Cincy Shirts site, we actually have a section specifically devoted to beers. Go to the drop-down menu, uh, and it'll show, say beer, and it'll show, show you all of our beer tees. So in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Hoodie, H-U-D-Y, simple enough. You can use that to take 20% off your entire order at CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com, or you can use that code in our physical stores here in Cincinnati. Uh, Those are in OTR, Hyde Park, and now Loveland, of course. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the show from, if that's an option. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Cincinnati, you stole my heart.
I said goodbye.